Hey there, everyone. It's a new week, and we have new movies. We have three biographical movies, one movie about a monkey in space, and one movie about cars and explosions. It's the week of April 14th, and this is episode 38 of Future Flicks. All right, everyone, welcome back to Future Flicks. Like I said, the name of the show, Future Flicks with Billiam. Thus, I'm your host, Billiam. Let me give you a little information on what I do, just in case you're new. And if you're new, welcome. And if you're not new, welcome back. On Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, also known as the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read about the movie. But let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me on Twitter at BilliamSWN, email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com, and follow me on Instagram at BilliamSWN. So let's move on to our first segment, which, as always, is the news. According to Yahoo News, the great Sir Anthony Hopkins has lost his f***ing marbles. He's set to be in the next Transformers movie and has gone on record as saying that he thinks Hollywood's very own cancer, Michael Bay, is a genius director. Mr. Hopkins, that's like saying Amy Schumer is a brilliant stand-up comedian or flat earthers aren't mentally retarded. Get your together, Hopkins. Watch out, everyone. The Fifth Element is coming back to theaters for two days next month. These will be Fathom events, and the screenings are set for Sunday, May 14th, and Wednesday, May 17th. The showings will be at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. These will come with an exclusive preview of Luke Besson's new movie, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Though remember, these dates are not set in stone, so if you're interested in seeing it, just keep paying attention to see if anything changes. Disney has changed their minds, and the late Carrie Fisher will be in the final installment of the third Star Wars trilogy. No CG will be used. Instead, they'll be using pre-shot footage. The family of the late actress agreed to Disney's terms and said that they could not picture a Star Wars film without Carrie Fisher. According to The Guardian, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are adapting Robert Kirkman's Invincible for the big screen. The question now is, will this meet with any resistance from Marvel or DC, who have reportedly sued at least 35 people for using the term superhero? Do they really own the word superhero? I don't actually think they do. What I think is the case is that they just sue, and anyone that they're suing just doesn't have enough money to keep up with the lawsuits and has to just give in, because that's how America's legal system works. Get Out is still making news. Jordan Peele now has the highest grossing debut based on an original screenplay. This according to IndieWire. And finally in the news, Ghost in the Shell may have died in America, but it's almost made its money back when overseas numbers are taken into account. It's now almost grossed $100 million, just $10 million short of its budget. This movie still has a while to go in theaters, so we'll see if it actually makes some money. 
Well, that's it for news, my friends. Let's get on to what used to be called Blazing Trailers, but I thought of a better name. Get ready for Billiam's Trailer Trove. The trailer for the second season of the Netflix original series Sense8 hit the interwebs on on April 10th. If you're one of the many fans of this show, then you will have been eagerly awaiting this. Season 2 drops on May 5th. Also, we got the first look at Thor Ragnarok, and holy sh**, it looks amazing. Everyone who is speculating about Planet Hulk's tie-ins, you're right. Though this looks like they changed it up quite a bit, but it still looks pretty sick. Director Taika Waititi is going to do a fantastic job. We also got a trailer for the Heath Ledger documentary called I Am Heath Ledger. This is going to be a deep look into the man behind some of our favorite movies. All right, friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Let's get on with the movies. And the first one this week is called Spark, a space tale. Spark, a teenage monkey, finds out he's the last surviving monkey in the royal family. He decides to live up to his destiny and fight the evil overlord Zong. This is an animated movie featuring the voices of Susan Sarandon from Thelma and Louise, Jessica Biel from The Illusionist, and Jean-Luc Picard himself, Patrick Stewart, as well as Hilary Swank from Boys Don't Cry. Monkey movie cancer. That's what I'm calling this. Spark monkey movie cancer. This looks so bad. So bad. So bad. Shoddy animation, and and shoddy as in bad, not shaday, like, you know, hip-hop artists say and shit like that. So shoddy animation, a boring, run-of-the-mill story that seems loosely based on the journey to the West. I mean, come on. The only cool part in the trailer, the only reason I would consider giving this a chance is to see the space battles, which looked pretty cool as far as the trailer showed. But I do fear that these space battles aren't going to be a big part of the movie at all. They were just used to be flashy and get people's attention, and it worked. It got my attention, but not my interest. This looks boring, not even good for kids. Watch Smurfs. Watch Boss Baby instead if you need to take your kids to a movie. Skip this even though it has Sir Patrick Stewart in it. As much as it pains me to say it, not even Jean-Luc could save this. The story looks boring and predictable, and it feels like they didn't even try. Spark, a space tale, gets a 1 out of 11. Alright friends, next up... On this week's release schedule is a movie called Altitude. An FBI agent is offered millions to help a thief escape from a hijacked plane. This stars Denise Richards from Wild Things and Dolph Lundgren from The Expendables. I saw this trailer and thought that it it had to be a straight-to-DVD release, and that it somehow got mentioned on IMDb and the other sources just because it has Denise Richards and Dolph Lundgren. But no... No, no, no. If you watch the trailer, you will see that at the very end, it says coming soon to theaters. Why? Who would actually go see this in theaters? It looks like garbage. This looks like some cable channel that no one's ever heard of decided to make their own movie. So, you know, Hallmark has their own movie mysteries channel where they make their own mystery movies and just play them over and over and over again. It looks like Hallmark had a 
action movie channel and they made this for it. The CG of the plane, of the f airplane, looks terrible. They couldn't have just used stock footage of a plane? How much could that possibly cost? I bet you it would cost less than CG of a plane. So why not just use that footage instead of using embarrassing CG that looks like it belongs on a PlayStation 1? This film looks like it tries to be Air Force One, but without the benefit of being good. Denise Richards was a good actress back in the day. She could be. She could really still be a good actress. I just haven't seen her in anything, but it looks like she phones it in in this one. Dolph Lundgren actually looks at home in this movie. He's never been a great actor. He's had decent roles, but he mo he's mostly been a gigantic bruiser in this movie, and that's what he's known for. This is the kind of movie I expect to see Lundgren in, and this also has Chuck Liddell, so this is exactly the type of movie I expect to see MMA fighters in. What is it with wrestlers and MMA fighters just magically thinking they can act? Pro wrestlers, I can see that. I can see why pro wrestlers try to be actors, because they're, they're already actors. They have to memorize a lot of stuff, and they have to act like a certain character. My favorite wrestler of all time is Chris Jericho. And he can easily jump from being a face to a heel, even when he's a gigantic heel. If you meet him, he's like apparently a great guy. I've never met the man, but he's supposed to be fantastic and nice and really kind to his fans. So he's used to acting because he comes out on the stage and is this gigantic asshat. But why do, do people like Chuck Liddell, people who do MMA or just sports in general, think they can magically act? Well, at least... For us, lucky for us, that movies like this exist, so they can be in these movies, get, you know, throw a, a couple thousand, maybe, hundred thousand, I don't know what they're paid for this but get, get some money thrown at them, and then they can pat themselves on the back, going, yay, I acted, I did good, time to go back and beat faces again. I, I can't recommend anyone watch this movie. If the premise interested you at all, there are a bunch of other movies you can watch instead. Skip this movie. Altitude gets a 1 out of 11. Alright, that that was a bad start, wasn't it? That, that, that was two sh movies in a row. So let's move on to something that I guarantee you won't get a 1. That movie is called Tommy's Honor. Tommy has bigger dreams than following in his father's footsteps and being a caddy for rich people who look down on him. Instead, he goes off to become a professional golfer and finds himself at odds with the rich folk his father caddies for, people who still look down on him. This stars Dr. Alan Grant, that's right, Sam Neill is in this, stars Jack Loudon from Denial, and Ophelia Lovabond from Elementary. You know, that garbage TV show that claims it's about Sherlock Holmes but isn't really because it's utter garbage? Yeah, that one. Some of you may have already tuned out to this. A British drama about the inequalities between economic classes and golf? I can hear some of you snoring right now. But this is my jam. I love golf. And I love well-written dramas. This doesn't feel like some stereotypical dry British film. It looks like a drama that didn't feel the need to adhere to some preconceived style. This is based off a true story, but I'm not quite sure how many liberties the movie takes. This is based off a book by Kevin Cook, but the script was worked on by Pamela Marin. Remember though, just because Kevin Cook worked on the script doesn't mean it's going to be true to the book. Both Michael Crichton and Stephen King, who are 
fantastic authors have worked on the scripts for their own movies and changed a whole lot of shit. I could talk more about this, but remember, British drama, movie about golf, you've probably already made up your mind. Just let me say that this looks really well acted, wonderfully shot, and with some great scenes set in the UK with the beautiful scenery. And hopefully this is well written too. That, that has yet to be seen. Either way, unless you're a huge fan of golf or a huge fan of British dramas, you should probably skip this in theaters. Tommy's Honor gets a 6 out of 11. Alright, my friends. We are moving on to the next movie called The Quiet Passion. This is the tale of American poet Emily Dickinson and her story that took her from a young girl to a little-known adult recluse. This is a limited release starring Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City, Jennifer Ellie from Zero Dark Thirty, and Kenneth Carradine from Deadwood. Another heavy drama! Yay! This one, though, stars one of the best things to come out of Sex and the City. That's Cynthia Nixon. She's a fantastic actress who doesn't get enough love. She's capable of great performances, but all we know her from is some mindless comedy, and I use the term comedy very loosely. Uh, Sex and the City was a very important show for a lot of people. It's widely loved, but a lot of really stupid sh** went on in that show. I'm not going to get into it here, but I watched quite a few episodes, and half of them were good, and the other half were just mindless bullshit. But if you liked it, good for you. Good for you. Good job. Anyway, back to A Quiet Passion. I want to see this just because I'm excited to see Cynthia Nixon acting and doing something that will remind people of how great she is. This movie looks heavy and it almost borders on depressing. Emily Dickinson didn't have a great life at all. We know her now as a literary legend, but back then she was a nobody. Like I mentioned earlier, this movie is going to get a limited release, so if you want to watch a good-looking drama about a historical figure, then you're going to have to hope a streaming service picks it up, or you find it on sale one day, because that's what you're going to have to do unless you really have a indie theater around you that can get this movie, depending on how limited it is. The trailer looked really good, but I have a feeling that Trailer Guy gave them some pointers because the whole thing had a moving classical score throughout and heavily dramatic scenes that they borrowed clips from. This could be a good movie, as the trailer makes it out to be, but you can never really tell. A Quiet Passion. It's a 6 out of 11. And my friends, we have one movie before the break, and that movie is called Jeremiah Tower. The Last Magnificent. This is a documentary about the first celebrity chef, Jeremiah Tower, and his rise to fame, what happened to him when he fell off the grid, and how he suddenly came back as a chef at the Tavern on the Green. This documentary is brought to us by CNN Films, which is apparently a thing, and was produced and narrated by Anthony Bourdain. I love food, and I love eating out. I love fancy restaurants, I love celebrity chefs, but I guess I'm really a filthy casual because I have never heard of this guy. This was directed by Lydia Tenaglia, who directed all of Anthony Bourdain's shows, so she'll know how to handle food on screen. This looks like it's going to be a great documentary if you like food and celebrity chefs. This is going to be full of interviews, of, and some of them with famous people like Mario Batali and Francesca De Luca and Martha Stewart. 
The rest of the interviews are with food writers and journalists that I'm not familiar with, but maybe some of you more cultured people may recognize them. If you like food shows, and I'm not talking about food competition shows, but actual food shows like No Reservations and Bizarre Foods, then this could be the show for you, or the movie for you, that is. Just keep in mind that it's going to revolve around a famous chef who changed the face of American cuisine, but a lot of us may never have heard of him. This looks well shot and well produced, but really, what, what else can we expect from a director that's won four primetime Emmys? So check this out if you like food. Correction, if you love food, and you love chefs and all that jazz, but otherwise you can just skip this. Jeremiah Tower, The Last Magnificent, gets a 6.5 out of 7. Alright my friends, that is it for the first half. Let's go on to our break and listen to a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds in a squared circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds in a squared circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the squared circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of somewhatnerdy.com's Nerds in the Squared Circle. Join me. Snarf Chris and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, friends, welcome back from our break, and we're going to talk about our next movie which is called Sandy Wexler. Sandy Wexler is a talent manager in Los Angeles. He has a single-track mind when it comes to representing his clients, that is, until he starts to fall for a singer he discovered in an amusement park. This stars Adam Sandler from Happy Gilmore, the singer Jennifer Hudson, and this has a multitude of other actors in it, some still big, others with their glory days far behind them, Rob Schneider, Polly Schnorr, Chris Rock, David Spade, Dana Carvey. This is a who's who of has-been SNL cast members. This looks... bad? My initial response is to write this off as a garbage movie and take a big old dump over it. But I actually liked parts of the trailer. Not the whole trailer, mind you, but just parts of it. At first, it looked like Adam Sandler being stupid. Then it looked like Adam Sandler being stupid with a mediocre plot and some funny and interesting cameos. What I really hated was Sandler's stupid voice. God, it was funny in the 90s because it was his shtick, but now it's just old. We get it. We've seen it before. Show us something else. You can do it. This is a Netflix original, and I think that's the best option for this movie, because it would get slaughtered in the theaters. 
the indie movies this week would get better turnouts than this one would if it was released in theaters. In one hour, Logan would make more money than this would over the entire course of its life. The fact that Netflix made a deal for four Adam Sandler movies was brilliant. This way, people would actually watch it. Well, not may actually watch it. So what's the risk? You're already paying for Netflix or using a friend's login, so it's not like you sunk any money into it. You can watch it, and worst case scenario, you hate it and you turn it off. Best case scenario, you love it and you want more. And you're going to get more. Three more, in fact. And Netflix can't really lose on this one either. People will watch it just to see how big of a train wreck it is. If it is a train wreck, then they still watched it. If they like it, then they'll want more, and they'll watch the other ones. Don't misunderstand what I was saying earlier. This is still going to be terrible, but just not as bad as people think. So bad. Just not utter garbage. It will be good to see some of my old favorites from Saturday Night Live. If you want to see a dumb, feel-good comedy, and you can stand Adam Sandler's stupid baby voice for two hours, then check this out. If not, check it out anyway. What harm could it do? But even though I'm telling you to check it out regardless, I still have to be honest with my score. Sandy Wexler gets a 4 out of 11. Alright folks, next up we have Norman, the moderate rise and tragic fall of a New York fixer. Norman Oppenheimer is an operator who befriends a young politician. Three years later, that politician becomes an influential world leader and Norman's life drastically changes. This stars Richard Gere from the second best exotic Marigold Hotel, Michael Sheen from Masters of Sex, Charlotte Gainsbourg from Independence Day A Resurgence, Dan Stevens in his third movie in the past two weeks from Downton Abbey, Steve Buscemi from Boardwalk Empire, and Hank Azaria from Love and Other Drugs. The great thing about indie films is that it gives actors a chance to do things they normally wouldn't be able to do. Like last week we had Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to really act it up. I've heard from friends that the movie wasn't great. That in fact it was terrible. Richard Gere is a good actor, but you look at some of his biggest roles and they're very similar. Hollywood likes certain things out of him and when they ask, he gives it. In this role, however, he looks completely different. This movie feels like Sandy Wexler, but good, or at least better. Richard Gere isn't playing the handsome older man, he's playing an older awkward dork, and, and good for him. I have a problem with the subtitle though, did we really need to know he's gonna have a tragic fall? Unless there's more to the plot than his career, in which case the subtitle is just there to give a little flair to the whole thing, and maybe even distract us from where the movie is really gonna go. This movie is going to be a lot like Barney's version, a movie with Paul Giamatti and Rosamund Pike. It was a great film. It's one of my personal favorites. I, I promise I will review one day. And it has some fantastic performances, but hardly anyone ever saw it. I doubt this is going to be as good as Barney's version, but it feels similar in the way that it has all signs pointing to it being a good movie, but hardly anyone knows about it. This movie is a safe bet for a good drama with a touch of comedy, but nothing that you need to see in theaters. I suggest you keep this one in mind just in case it's a fantastic movie that no one saw coming, or no one saw. Period. It's worth a shot, especially if Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, one of those companies picks it up, but I don't think you'll be missing out if you forget about it. But if you do see this movie, you'll probably enjoy it. This looks well-written and well-acted, 
with a touch of cringy comedy added to the mix. Norman, the moderate rise and tragic fall of a New York fixer gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, my friends, we have two movies left and I won't even play coy. You know what my pick is. So the last movie before we get to my obvious pick is The Lost City of Z. This is based on the true story of British explorer Colonel Percival Fawcett, who disappeared while searching for a hidden city in the Amazon in the 1920s. That, my friends, is why I'm not a voice actor. Plain and simple. <laughs> this stars Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy, Robert Pattinson from Water for Elephants, Sienna Miller from Burnt, and Tom Holland from Captain America Civil War. Yay, another docudrama, just what this week needed. Though this one looks a lot better as a movie. As a historical movie, maybe not so much. You may be wondering what the other documentaries are, because I said, I believe I said there are five, let me check. That's right, five. So we had Tommy's Honor, about the golf guy, A Quiet Passion, about Emily Dickinson. We had Jeremiah Tower, about, well, Jeremiah Tower. Sandy Wexler is actually a biopic. This is about... Adam Sandler's agent, or, or manager, I mean. And then we have this one. We have The Lost City of Z, about a explorer, or an explorer, sorry, grammar, an explorer. So you may be asking yourself why I said it may not be so great as a historical movie. And that's because this movie is going to be a lot like the last quarter of The Perfect Storm. Or there's going to be similarities between the two movies, actually. Where everything will it'll probably be pretty accurate up until the point where Fawcett gets lost. Just like The Perfect Storm was moderately accurate up until the crew goes out and then the storm comes in. So until that point in The Lost City of Z, it, it can be very, very accurate. I'm not sure. I haven't read about this guy. I don't know much about him, but it could be accurate. But then once he goes on his journey, once he gets lost, that's when the change happens. That's when it's speculation. Some historians believe they, they kind of know what happened to him just because in the Amazon, they found a couple of his things held by different tribes, assuming that he kept traveling through the Amazon to find this lost city, met other tribes, and maybe left something with them. Or even that the final tribe, the last piece of evidence they found of Colonel Fawcett, was the tribe that killed him. It's still all up in the air because we still don't know. This will be one of those unsolved mysteries which is a great show, by the way, but this is a true-life unsolved mystery. So in the true-life happenings behind the perfect storm, did Mark Wahlberg's character really escape the sinking ship and float around in the ocean while thinking about his wife? Who knows? What happened to Percy Fawcett after he left Britain for the Amazon and got lost? No one knows what happened in the Amazon. Not even Alexa. But again, I'm a movie guy, so let's ignore the blatant historical problems and focus on this as a film. The whole thing looks dark. The whole thing looks dark. Even the scenes in daylight have this smoggy filter over it. Even when they're in the jungle, it still has this grimy feeling like they're still in the hole which was past London. I'm excited to see Charlie Hunnam in something that will show more of his acting skills. I haven't seen everything he's done, but what I have seen is just him playing varying degrees of Jax from Sam Crow. This, and the upcoming King Arthur, looks like he's getting his chance to show us what he has. Because that's a problem when you're an actor in a famous TV show. 
People want you, but for a similar project. Just just after Star Wars, if you ever saw a documentary about it, you'll remember that Mark Hamill said he got a lot of offers after Star Wars, but it was all for similar movies. So now Charlie Hunnam, or could be for a while now, because like I said, I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but now at least he's getting to do a little more. The good thing is that he's backed up by some really good actors. Robert Pattinson may be the best known for the Twilight series, but he's a really good actor despite that. And though I didn't see him in the trailer, hopefully he'll remind us of how great he can be. This is going to be a dark drama. Not just the grimy dark I was talking about, but just dark as in mood and tone. Watching the adventuring aspect of it will be very cool, but you have to remember that they're not going to make it out alive. And most of this movie is made up of speculation. So are they going to have him die by the hands of some natives? Are they going to pull an Everest and have him die from the elements or die from exposure? We don't know. Either way, he is going to die unless they pull some sort of happy-go-lucky bullshit. And he finds love in the tribe and and settles down or some, some crap like that, which I doubt that he will because this is going to be a serious movie. If this interests you and you don't like the type of movies, which I'm going to talk about next, then this could be for you. This could be the movie this week because it could benefit from the theater treatment. It could benefit by you being in this big dark room, comfy chair, big screen, surround sound. It could really benefit from that. Where a lot of the other movies this week would have no problem being on the small screen. It'll have no problem being on your television while you sit back, popcorn in hand, beer in the other, cat or dog on the sofa next to you, and just watching the show. The Lost City of Z is going to be a good movie. And if this interests you, then give it a watch in theaters. If not, then you could probably pass and then watch it at home and still enjoy the movie, even without the ambiance of the theater. The Lost City of Z gets a 7 out of 11. All right, friends. I like to think I'm not horribly predictable when it comes to what my pick of the week is going to be. And in my defense, there have been weeks where the biggest movie wasn't my pick, like Ghost in the Shell. And other examples I can't think of right now, but this is not one of those weeks. If what my pick of the week had been an event you can gamble for, it would have been a safe bet to pick this one, but you wouldn't have won a lot of money. So my pick of the week, if you haven't guessed yet, is the fate of the Furious. The crew must fight their biggest enemy yet, Dom. Their former family member gets seduced into joining a known terrorist and the crew must do all they can to stop him. A good chunk of the main cast returns. Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese Gibson, and Chris Ludacris Bridges. They're joined by Kurt Russell, Jason Statham, and Natalie Emanuel from Furious 7. And newcomers of the series are Charlize Theron from Mad Max Fury Road and Scott Eastwood from Suicide Squad. IMDb credits Luke Evans as being in this, but I'm wondering if it's just flashbacks because Shaw died in 6. And if that's a spoiler for you, then boo-hoo! You've had four years to watch it. A new director joins the series, the legendary F. Gary Gary. You may be wondering who this legendary director is. Well, you'll know his films. Straight out of Compton, the Italian... I'm sorry, I said that's so white. Straight out of Compton, because it's actually O-U-T-T-A on the poster, not out of. Straight out of Compton, a wonderful film. No. Um... <laughs> He also did The Italian Job, Law Abiding Citizen, The Negotiator. He does good movies. That's it. Plain and simple. 
The writer for this is the same writer that's been on board since Tokyo Drift, which I don't think is as bad as everyone thinks it is. If I have to pick the worst one in the series, I'm thinking it's either 5 or 2. Or is it 4 or 2? Ah, oh, I forgot the one, the post-3 one that was really bad. Alright, really bad, but still phenomenal. Keep that in mind, please, because this is The Fast and The Furious. Uh, thank you very much. So I love these movies so much, each and every one of them. And yes, I know they're goofy. I know they're unrealistic. But that's the point. That's what's great about them. These movies found their stride exactly when the creators decided to stop trying. Well, stop trying for a serious movie and start making ridiculous movies. Okay, let's be honest. You know what kind of movie this is and you know if you're going to see it. You know if this is your jam or not. This is a movie you watch just because it's fun. You don't see it to watch great acting. You don't watch it to see some fantastic story. You watch this because you want to just sit back and enjoy flashy stuff. Impressive cars, impossible feats of action, melodramatic plot, over-the-top everything. This movie has it all. I was initially against this. I'm not sure if I ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I was initially against this because I think they should have stopped it after Paul Walker passed. Because the last Fast and Furious movie, Fa uh, Furious 7, ha had a good ending. They could have stopped it there and everything would have been fine. But then they continued. And at first I didn't, I didn't support that. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that's what Paul Walker would have wanted. He loved the series. And also that... These are just fun movies. Even though one of the main characters is gone, they can still carry on. And watching this trailer, when the first trailer dropped up until when the last trailer dropped, you could see that it carried on the same spirit. That they're just making a fun, over-the-top movie. And that is exactly what I'm looking for. And when I sit my ass down in that chair in the theater, I'm going to do so. Not expecting to see something amazing, not expecting to see some Oscar winner, but expecting to enjoy myself, expecting to smile, and expecting to come out of there amazed that, yes, Fast and the Furious is a ridiculous series. Yes, it's over the top. Yes, it can even be stupid, but it is highly enjoyable, and that is what their focus is on. They know what they do well, and they go and do it each and every time. So this is my pick of the week. I suggest you watch this movie. Unless you just hate these movies so much, unless you're so against them that you can't sit back and just watch a fun action flick, in that case, go watch something else. I don't care. Do whatever you want. But for the rest of you, for the rest of us, I will see you in the theaters this weekend. Supposedly, they have them planned up until 10, so let's see how they go. The Fate of the Furious gets an 11 out of 11. All right, future fans, that is it for this episode. I just have one more piece of news to touch on, something that dropped the morning of the 11th, and it's that Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley announced that Star Wars is teaming up with Omaze to do a fundraiser to help UNICEF and Starlight Children's Foundation. There will be a link in the show notes for this, and they are having three grand prizes, a different prize each week, too. So right now, the big prizes are you spend a night, you get to spend a night in the Skywalker Ranch with a VIP tour, a stay at Skywalker Inn, and a private screening of Star Wars A New Hope. Another one is that you will get a chance to appear in the standalone Han Solo movie. 
And the third big prize is you get to join the cast at the Star Wars Last The Last Jedi premiere. And also apparently each week there will be each week leading up to the premiere, there will be smaller prizes that you have a chance to win. And even if you don't win, there are other things you get. If you've never done one of these fundraisers through Omaze, just by donating money, you you get something. It could be nothing like uh, the smallest thing you can get is a digital badge. You donate $15 and you get 100 entries to win. And then you can get something $50, you get a BB-8 ion, iron-on patch. Like these are small small things but you do get chances to win the big prizes but let's face it this is going to be a really big deal lots of people are going to jump at the chance to win these things so the chances of any of us winning one of these prizes is ridiculously small but that's not the point the point is donating even a buck even if that's all you have to a good organization and you know what? If, you, if you're not interested in UNICEF and the Starlight Children's Foundation, then check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast. They always have a new charity they're working with. Every every 10 episodes, they switch charities. They're any time now are about to end this one, this season's, or semester's, I'm sorry, where they're working with the Fisher House Foundation. Check out an episode of the Watch Your Mouth podcast to learn more about them. But also, just check out the Omaze. The Omaze website, I will, I, again, I will link it in the show notes. Check it out, see if you want to donate. Even if you don't have a lot of money, every little bit helps. And as we close out, I would like to say welcome to any new listeners I have. So either SoundCloud was having some sort of amazing meltdown, or I got a whole bunch of new listeners. Just suddenly, within the last 24 hours of recording this, you know, my vote's towards a meltdown, but... I'm going to try. I'm going to try and be positive about this. So if you are new, if you're returning, welcome and welcome back. Thank you for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. Let's wrap this up with my closing spiel. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give this podcast a rating. If you're on iTunes, even if you don't listen to me on iTunes, but have an iTunes account, I'd love five stars. It would mean a lot to me. And really, thank you to everyone who's already rated me at five stars. I haven't had anything less, so I I truly appreciate that. Even if you you didn't like the show that much, I'd appreciate five stars. But just leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what what I need to improve on. So leave a comment. Also, tell me what I'm doing right if you like it. Going, hey... I love your ramblingness. I love how you stutter and are totally unprofessional when you speak. Good job, Billiam. Thank you, fans. Thank you. But how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave me a comment on the Somewhat Nerdy website or on the Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Instagram? I'm BilliamSWN there as well. Tumblr and Untapped as well, Billiam SWN. It's almost like that's my handle. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Square Circle also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. The Somewhat Nerdy Radio just had their one year anniversary, and the Nerds of the Square Circle just did their WrestleMania wrap up, so check out both of those episodes. Don't forget to listen to the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Like I mentioned before, everyone's favorite swearity. Please check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends and my dear, dear listeners, please remember that no matter where life takes you, 
no matter what your week has in store. Just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future.